You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. All right, welcome back to the Full Steam Ahead podcast, a podcast about Purdue. In this episode, we are speaking with Shelley McDermott-Wadsworth from Purdue and the Purdue Military Family Research Institute. Shelley, welcome to the show. Thank you. So let's just start right off with what is the Military Family Research Institute? So we're an organization within Purdue that was created almost 20 years ago now to do research and outreach and engagement on behalf of military families here in Indiana, but also around the world. And how long has this been operating? We're going to be celebrating our 20th anniversary in the upcoming academic year. And then how did you get involved? I helped to found MFRI Uh, many years ago. I was doing research about relationships between work conditions and family life, and a request for proposals was issued by the Department of Defense, and I decided to join a team at Purdue that was uh, trying to get that money, and we did. And so uh, the Military Family Research Institute was born, and uh, for our first few years, we were the research house for the Office of Military Community and Family Policy in the Department of Defense. Why was it important to you? Why was that? Was it personal, or was it just something you thought needed to happen? You know, there's no one in my immediate family who served uh, in the U.S. military, but I've always cared a lot about people's jobs and their lives at home. It has always seemed to me that people ought to be able to do a good job at home and at work. And organizations sometimes do things that make that easier or more difficult. Military service is extreme work. But the military does things also to try to really support families. So anything that I could do to try to help them do that more effectively was really appealing to me. What type of uh, research and programs do you guys offer? So we've always done research about what it's like for families to simultaneously do all the things that they have to do at home and have someone in their family do military service. And of course, our nation is currently in its longest war ever. And so we've been gathering a lot of information about families as they go through deployment cycles. And we've just finished data collection on a very large project of Indiana National Guard families as they've gone through um, someone leaving home, returning home. We also do engagement and outreach where we try to help community organizations work more effectively on behalf of military families. And one of our best examples there is called Star Behavioral Health Providers, where we work with community-based behavioral health providers to help prepare them to serve military-connected people. One of your other programs uh, you uh, mentioned to me before we met today is uh, Focus Forward. What is that program? Focus Forward is something that I'm really fond of because it really focuses on women veterans who are pursuing degrees in higher education. We have known from some of the research that we've read that sometimes women find it more challenging when they're students of non-traditional age. They are even more likely than men to have family responsibilities when they come back to school. It can be really challenging. And women as I think many people know, sometimes have challenging times in the military. They're a numeric minority. We've all heard stories, I think, about difficulties that women experience either because of 
um, sexual harassment or because it's harder for them to get promoted sometimes because of restrictions on their jobs. And so we created this program as a way to try to help women student veterans really achieve um, academic and career success. So we're very happy uh, to be bringing 20 women from around the country to Indianapolis uh, starting next week to um, give them a residential retreat where they can really work on identifying their strengths and preparing to work with others even better, preparing to use the resources on their campus even better. And then over the coming academic year, we'll have an online community where they can continue to work with mentors, learn skills, and um, hopefully um, build a, go- a glide path into the work world. Awesome. Uh, when's this this year's event happening? So women will arrive um, a week from Wednesday, and they'll be here through Saturday. Saturday evening, we'll be having their closing dinner at the War Memorial, which is always a really fun um, experience for all of us. We're going to take them to an Indianapolis Indians game. Cal Burleson from the Indians is on our advisory council and incredibly supportive. So that's always a fun night out and a good time for them to build Uh, the community of support that we're trying to create for them. Women veterans are often quite isolated on their campuses. This is a way to try to help them build a community of support with women across the country. And you mentioned this, they're from all around the country. This isn't just Purdue. This is not just Purdue, and it's not even just Indiana. They're from all over the country. Um, This will be our fifth cohort of Focus Forward Fellows, and we've now, um, I think, served 46 states and a large number of universities. How do women find out about this program or get involved if they want to participate? We publicize it uh, very widely uh, early in the year. We participate in the Student Veterans of America National Conference each year, and then we also push out information to student veteran officers at campuses around the country. Our alumni are also um, very important recruiters, if you will, for us. We know that um, a personal invitation is really important to encourage people to apply, so we challenge each of our fellows to let 10 people know so that they can apply. So we select, we receive impl- uh, applications in the first couple of months of the year and then go through a fairly extensive review to select the 20 that will be included in each cohort. I assume this year's 20 are already selected. They are. Okay. Um, yep, they've got their travel plans all made, and uh, we're in the final stages. We try for each woman to find... Uh, a mentor for them who's working in the industry that they're interested in. And we're just locking down the last few um, professional uh, mentors for them. And uh, then they'll be on site uh, with us as well. So if someone's listening to this podcast and interested in in being a part of that program that that fits the criteria, how early should they be getting ready for next year's program? Um, We announced applications in January, so that'll be a time to watch out for. But by all means, people can email us and learn more about it now. We're always happy to share information. Another one of your programs, the Battle Mind to Home Summit. It's another event coming up in October. Talk about that one. So Battle Mind uh, began as a partnership with the Routabush VA Medical Center, and they remain very important partners, as does the State Department of Veterans Affairs and the National um, Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, Battle Mind is really a way to bring people together from across the state who are interested in trying to be supportive of military and veteran uh, families. 
And uh, it's also a way for communities to talk with each other about some of the issues that they're facing and how they might be similar or different. We were very excited last year to have the legal community join. And so now we have veterans treatment courts involved also with the efforts. So it's a one-day conference. This year there will be pre-conference activities that happen the day before. Um, We've always held it in Indianapolis. This year, for the first time, we're bringing it to Purdue. Uh, We're excited about that. It helps to serve another part of the state, and our partners at Routabush have been very um, supportive of that idea. And we're also really pleased that it was designated an Ideas Festival event. So that'll give people at Purdue an opportunity to learn a little bit more as well about this community of people who really want to try to make life better for military and veteran folks around the state. That's great. Another exciting event that just happened this past May was the uh, helping out with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation's Hidden Heroes campaign. How did MFR get in, involved with that? Well, that was quite a surprise to us in a way. We've been working with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation for quite a while. They uh, are interested, as you know, in issues related to caregivers. And we've met with Senator Dole on multiple occasions, Senator Elizabeth Dole. And um, she's been very effective at raising awareness in the Department of Veterans Affairs as well as in Congress. And we've been working with them to try to help bring some data to the table so that people can begin to learn a little bit more about who the caregivers are who are taking care of veterans and even military members in some cases. So we worked with them to develop a survey. They administered it across the country. And then we've included the data in a tool that we have called Measuring Communities and also prepared a snapshot for each state. Um, The surprise for us was that we didn't realize that they were going to uh, launch the snapshot uh, in Indiana until they emailed one day and said that was their plan. And when we first looked at it and, and we saw the date, we were like, oh, my goodness, that's race weekend. That's a terrible time to try to hold an event in Indianapolis. We've got to persuade them to do something different. And then I opened the attachments and I saw, oh, the Today Show. And then I saw, oh, Tom Hanks. And I just kept reading and becoming more and more uh, impressed. Uh, as it turned out, I was on vacation uh, during that time. So um, the director of the Measuring Communities effort uh, was part of the events. And the Dole Foundation was very kind to us to feature our work so prominently. And um, we really appreciate everything they're doing to bring visibility to um, to the nation about these caregivers. But we also are really happy from Purdue to be at the table to try to help make sure that we're always thinking about data and what are the data telling us so that we're responding to problems and issues that really do exist as opposed to just what we think. And as some of those issues, I think you can even mention the STAR behavior health training earlier. Does that help focus on mental health or all areas? What what is all this data kind of showing us? So STAR Behavioral Health is focused primarily on mental health, but one of the things that we know is that, um, you know, all parts of the body are very interconnected. And uh, when people have been through traumatic experiences, their symptoms can take multiple forms. For example, sleep difficulties are a really common symptom following exposure to trauma, not just for military people, but if you or I were in a car accident or the victim of a crime, we also might have trouble sleeping. But trouble sleeping then complicates other things. So it's not, it's a physical problem, not really a mental health problem, but it's very connected with mental health. So we try to focus um, on evidence related to symptoms 
that are implicated in mental health issues and try to help folks learn about evidence-based treatments that have been approved so they can do a better job not only of knowing who's coming in their door, who's military-connected, but then also recognizing symptoms that might be related to military service in adults or children, and then knowing about evidence-based options that they could use that might help them treat those folks more effectively. What are you finding in the, in the research that you guys are doing in regards to that? And well, one really important thing we find is that um, families are very resilient, and people are selected for military service in part because they have characteristics that allow us to be optimistic about their resilience. Uh, we also know, though, that deployments and some other aspects of military service are difficult. So even if in the end people may turn out to be resilient, in the short term, there are difficulties that they might need assistance with, and there then is a small percentage of people whose issues require more attention, might require attention from a clinician. And so it's very important to try to help people find a treatment that will work if they're having symptoms of post-traumatic stress, for example. We also know that if people have trouble getting back into employment. National Guard folks have to transition back into civilian employment. People who are leaving the military may be getting their first job in the civilian community ever. If that transition doesn't go well, then other things become tougher, and that could complicate mental health issues. So we want to try to be holistic and think about every domain and take advantage of the strengths that people have, help them to mobilize those strengths on their own behalf, but also be really attentive when they're having symptoms that are taking time to resolve or might need more attention. Gotcha. I'm not the only one with a new podcast here. You guys have one as well. Talk about the MFRI podcast. Well, I'm happy to. I can take absolutely no credit for it. Sadie Urquitz at uh, at MFRI uh, had the idea and really developed it. And I should give a shout out too to Kara Ludicar, who um, uh, is the mother of Focus Forward, if you will, and and runs that. And we really appreciate uh, all of uh, her work. But Sadie, I think, was very wise to realize that. Uh, podcasts, I think, do two important things. One, um, they may help to reach an audience that isn't paying attention to the other ways that we communicate. Uh, and the other thing that I think is great about podcasts is they allow people to tell their story in a little bit more of an expansive way. And as humans, we love stories. We just love to hear about the ways that people think and how they feel. And so the podcasts offer an opportunity for us to interview people like um people who are adults now but had experience in a military family. What was that like? Or people who do work with um, military families or people who have participated in one of our programs. And so this has become a way, I think, to expand our, mes- our message, if you will, and get the word out to more people. So it's, it's been a, a really great success for us. When did it start? started in the fall of 2018. We talked about it for a little while uh, before that, but then uh, Sadie just has been running with it and lining up um, lots of uh, opportunities with folks to for us to learn from, and, um, and we've been very excited about it. How do you decide on the topics? Well, we try to make them thematic. So during Month of the Military Child, for example, that was a good time to talk with people who are grownups now but had experience in military families. Purdue Day of Giving, as you know, is in April, and so we use that as a time to talk to folks who have um, uh, provided financial support 
uh, to MFRI. Um, Battle Mind will be coming up, and so that's a great time to talk with community folks, community members about what they've been doing, what they've been learning. Uh, early next year, we're going to be launching a new study of military kids, and so I think we'll be maybe looking for some kids who've had some experience of their parents being deployed recently and what that's been like. So we're always looking for new ideas. Cool. And um, how's it been received so far? We've had a lot of uptake. Um, there have been over 6,500 um, folks who have listened to them so far, which is really wonderful. And uh, uh, I haven't been tracking, I haven't checked in the last couple of days to just see which ones have been listened to the most, but we've certainly been pleased with the reception. And if any of our listeners, the people out there want to uh, check out your podcast, where can they find that? Oh, so the MFRI website is just easy to find. In fact, you can just Google our name, Military Family Research Institute at Purdue, and we'll pop right up, uh, mfri.purdue.edu, and um, you'll see the podcasts um, easily from the landing page. You guys are also on Twitter and Facebook as well? We are. We are. Um, again, those handles will be uh, on our webpage. That's the easiest way to go um, connect to everything. And you can also sign up to receive a periodic uh, update about our work, if you like, also from that landing page. Shelley, anything else weary that I haven't brought up that you feel is important to talk about? Well, I think I'd like to say to all of your listeners, um, to the folks who themselves have worn a uniform, thank you for that. Um, I also, of course, want to especially recognize all of the people who provide love and care for them um, because they've served too, and I want to express my appreciation for their service. And if people need information or if they think there's a way that we can be helpful, we'd be happy to try to get them to the folks who can provide them with um, exactly what they what they need. Well, Shelly, thank you so much for taking the time to come down here and speak with me on the podcast today. You're most welcome. It's been my pleasure. Again, you can uh, learn more about Purdue Military Family Research Institute, as Shelley just said a few minutes ago, at mfri.purdue.edu. My thanks again to Shelley for taking her time to come in. And I do also want to echo uh, Shelley's remarks about our military. Uh, thank you to all who have served uh, our country to help uh, protect and give us our freedoms that we have today. So thank you to all of you who are listening that have served. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. You can also listen, like, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels. <laughs>